Welcome to the PT Coffee Cast, a podcast helping coffee-infused clinicians elevate their practice by realizing the tools they already possess. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the PT Coffee Cast, brought to you by The Movement. My name is Dalton, and unfortunately, not alongside me today is my beautifully bearded friend, William. We have another beautifully bearded (laughs) man here on the podcast, who I will get to in a second. But guys, thanks so much um, for tuning in. Will is off meeting with our team. He's also leading some people through um, the mentorship that we have going on today, which speaking of the mentorship, we just launched the wait list for our new uh, movement mentorship, which you guys can check out by listening to episode 199, as well as the show notes. There'll be a link there to kind of explain to you the mentorship and you can join um, the wait list, which we will be launching our first cohort in April. So you guys don't want to miss out on that. But for today, I do have an interview, which it's been a long time since we've had an interview on the PT Coffee Cast. It's mostly been myself and Will ranting about all those things that we like to rant with or rant on. But today, I'm excited to have Robin on the podcast. Um, He is... He likes to dabble like us, you know, he dabbles in the physio space, the financial space with some like um, coaching as well as, you know, investing himself in real estate as well as like the stock market. So I'm excited to just dive into like financial literacy with Robin and have him teach me and hopefully you guys a thing or two about uh, about finance. So Robin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alton. Thanks for having me. How's the morning going so far? I get a nice, fresh, early morning workout, second cup of coffee. Now I get to talk about something I'm very passionate about. So yeah, right in my and wheelhouse. The, the branding's on point. <laughs> you got the you, what's the you're the financial physio? Is that yeah, what financially it? fulfilled physio? physio yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's wearing his salesman outfit. I always joke with Will when I wear like my movement hat with yeah. um, my movement T-shirt. I'm okay. like I'm got my movement salesman outfit on. It's part of me. It's my brand, just like your, your clinical practice. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Always be branding. Yeah, always I, be I, I love it. Um, but Robin, why don't we start? maybe just uh, introduce yourself to the listeners like I'd like to hear a little bit about like your background into the physio space and how that was going through physio school um, because we do have a lot of new grad and student Mm -hmm. listeners that I think would take some value away from your journey because it seems like it's kind of taking a different path than maybe most people would in terms of just staying in the healthcare space absolutely sure yes so uh, I moved to Canada when I was five years old moved to Oakville with my older brother and the biggest thing for us as an immigrant family was to kind of become something of um, substance in my parents' eyes, and that's kind of three professions. You become a doctor, you become a lawyer, or an engineer in their eyes. So I went to Queens for my undergrad, followed my brother who did his uh, electronics degree there. I did uh, Queens, and I was trained to be uh, a, f- a physician. So I was going to go down the doctor route. First year in, I said, ah, not for me. So I, I pivoted and switched to kinesiology, which I loved. It was sports, it was um, helping people in terms of rehabbing from injuries, which I've gone through a little bit. And it was a really close-knit community. You were actually just a, a person there, not a number there in a, in a big big school. So I met a good amount of people, got hurt a couple times, which taught me about the benefits of rehab, attending physio in my teens. And then I said, okay, i got to do something else with this degree. What else can I do? Let's take it to physio. Because I understood being in physio, you could have the quality of life as well as help people in that meaningful way. Where sometimes as a physician, you may not have the control of your time because it's dictated by... Uh, other factors, shall mm-hmm. we say. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, let's go pursue the physiotherapy degree. And I went and did that at McMaster, which is a different learning model in itself, which taught you to manage your time and not be spoon-fed sort of material because you're responsible for doing it on your own, which created another kind of 
um, passion me is to learn more about other things because I had the time to do so. So I, I did my MAC degree, uh, graduated in 2012. So yeah, this is my uh, almost 11th year practicing. And then I just pursued, um, a question was given to me when I was in my last unit of McMaster. Uh, my preceptor told me, Robin, look around you. This is my unit six. Look at the number of clinicians practicing that are over the age of 55. And I looked around and I did a lot of volunteering experience. I'm looking, I'm thinking, one, two people, max. Yeah. Look at the clinics around you. How many actively practicing physiotherapists, manual therapists, massage therapists, chiropractors are working in the field actively over the age of 55? Not many. So what else are they doing? Right? So you, we were taught at school, you enter the profession and you're going to be working, and we assume we're working like your engineer counterparts, our architects, our lawyers, accountants, to 65, to 70. Not the case. This mm. job is physically demanding, mentally, and spirit demanding. Like you, you get people with complaints, pain, and you want to help them. But you do this for so long, you, you get to the point where like, I don't know if I can do this longer. Mm -hmm. So rather than wait when I was 23 and think about my next exit strategy, what could I do when I was younger to propel my f uh, career future further before I had to do it? And that's where the financial education came in because I looked at the people around me and said, hey, they're amassing wealth. Why can't I do it? Mm -hmm. I wasn't taught it, but I can learn it. Yeah. So that's kind of the journey there. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. How do you think like, um, you know, McMaster, knowing a little bit about the learning style there, and I will say McMaster is the only school that denied me. Um, I'm still, <laughs> still don't have, I don't have hard feelings about it anymore, as you can tell. But um, how do you feel like that? Ha I know you mentioned it, like it kind of gave you more time to like look into some other things. But was that even that style of learning? Do you think that helped um, open up your mind to like being able to dive into something like the financial world and learn more about it because you had to go and evaluate and critically think I feel like a lot more frequently than maybe someone for example who went to western where we were a lot more didactic where we went into the class they taught which was way better for me anyway I don't think I would have done great with the McMaster learning style but I probably would have adapted to it but I think like that difference in education can impact and I'm just wondering if that had an influence on like your ability to do that stuff now I, I think so yeah. I think I, I was a type of person and it's not for everybody that I would get my work done pretty quickly and then I have a lot more time to explore mm. and I'm a curious guy so I was exploring different avenues I love sports did a lot of kind of playing a lot of sports then but I was like okay now I have ample time can I read can I learn things and certain things come across your desk when you're 19 years old that don't mean anything to you and they'll come across your desk when you're 29 years old and it means totally different to you yeah yeah for changing. sure yeah but that repetition taught me hey I got things that came out when I was 19 and then I was 23 I heard the same thing like okay let me take action on this because mm. the second time coming around so I think the freedom gave me the ability to explore which is something you may not have if you're if you're confined to a certain learning style we don't have the ability to explore afterwards mm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, so you, your preceptor tells you this, which is very interesting, like a yeah. very wise words and yeah. gets you thinking, which is awesome. Um, so you, you obviously graduate school, you head out into the workforce, like with their preceptor mentioning that to you, like, did you go and start taking action on that immediately? Or did you dive in kind of like most people do with regards to physio? Like you go right into your first job, you're working like crazy hours, you're, you're learning, you're taking courses, you're doing all that stuff. Like, is that something that you did early on in your, your, your career or? I, I wasn't too involved with the financial stuff early on, but it was on the back of my head. It was actually on my radar. What I was more concerned with, and I think it's very common for most people now, is to how to become the best therapist or most well-rounded therapist earlier on. Mm -hmm. So I took the K, K courses. I took the, I was like, let me become an F camp because mm -hmm. I was like the end all and be all in terms of manual therapy. So I pursued my levels there, did my concussion training courses, did my golf rehab courses, did everything I could to expand my clinical tool belt. Then I quickly realized that 
to become a very good therapist, in my opinion, you may not have to be necessarily very skilled technically. You have to be very relatable and build rapport and listen and treat people differently. You don't people uh, your cl- your clients might not care if you have a, a dorsal manipulation of the spring ligament with a fourth degree F camp. Mm-hmm. They care if you can listen to them, solve their issues, and treat them as a person. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. I went down level three and I said, hey, this is not for me. I, I don't need to pursue the F camp because it's not going to make me a better client, and I can spend my time and money better elsewhere. So that's that's when I realized, hey, some of the stuff they teach you in school isn't very practical in real life. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to mismanage my time because I can't get that back. So what can I do now to propel myself? And that's why I made a switch. Probably my third year in. So I would have been 26, seven years old. Okay. What did that What did that switch look like for you? Like when you say switch, are you referring to like clinically you made a switch or this is where you started to be like, hey, how can I invest my time and my money into something that might help me generate more wealth or make me more fulfilled or explore something else outside of physio. Yeah, I, I clinically stay in the same position, but I read a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad and it talked about becoming mm-hmm. a business owner or investor. And for me, all I knew then was real estate. We lived in a house, grew up in a house, understood real estate. So I bought my first property three years out of school. I said, okay, let me manage this. Disaster for me. First tenant I had, I was very much, I still am a softy that way, but I, I quickly realized people do professional tenanting f- for business. Yeah. So I had my first tenant being a professional tenant, and she took me for lots of money and lots of time. Mm-hmm. And I was really fed up. I like, I'm going to sell my house. I don't need it. At the time, my partner at that time said, Robin, don't sell the house. Keep it. And I did. And it's been one of the better, best decisions and one of the better ones in, in the last eight years because mm-hmm. I've used that house to buy other houses and propel myself further. But it also taught me that $8,000 loss in three months taught me more, I think, about investing and real estate investing than two years at school. Right? That yeah. mistake. So yeah, that yeah. failure was a, a benefit to me. So that helped. So I went down the investment route there and that kind of catapulted as you met new people, you network, you learn more, made more mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... With with regards to like, you know, d- diving into the real estate and learning around that, like at what point did you start to like transition more to making it like a business and something that you're doing now? Like I know this is a, a little bit newer, like launching of your business. Mm-hmm. So, but like take us through that. Yeah. So in 2016, I decided to get incorporated professionally and then with the real estate holdings. So that's when that transition happened. And I was really immersed in kind of making my life more streamlined and more engineered where I did not need to work. And this is one of the goals I have. I'm 35 right now. So in five years, my goal is to be in a position where I don't need to, but want to work. I love what I do. I enjoy what I do, but I can't do it forever, nor do I want to do it forever. There's so much to life that you can do and explore if you have the means to. Mm -hmm. For example, here's an example I'll tell people who have kids. Imagine if your son or daughter came to you and said they have a soccer tournament on Wednesday at two o'clock in the afternoon at work. And you're like, sorry, Bobby, sorry, Lucy, I can't, I can't attend. Let the grandma take you, right? But you having the choice to being there and saying, okay, sure, I'll pick you up, no problem. I'll take you from school, I'll go there. I have the flexibility because my life has allowed me to do so. Mm-hmm. That freedom, that choice. Mm-hmm. So 2016, I made the change, and I fully immersed myself in financial education literacy because I knew I didn't get it through undergrad, through postgrad. I knew my colleagues didn't get it because I talk about this at any kind of house party I go to, and they they get fed up with me. They're like, well, stop talking about stuff. I'm like, but, so yeah. I did that, so I kept it to myself for the longest time. And then in 2020, after the pandemic, I was forced to explore. Yeah. I said, okay, if I struggle with this, I know my colleagues are. I've got three months to kind of make use of this time. Let's start a business. And that's where it started. Yeah. It's funny. The financial thing is like one of those like topics that everyone shies away from because a lot of times we just don't 
like we just don't know about it, right? And it's so it's so important. And I know what I've liked about consuming some of your content and reading through some of your stuff is like you do. It seems like you're trying to make it um, easily digestible and simplify it as much as possible so that people can take it in and start to use those those like skills or tactics that you're teaching immediately, which I've found for myself, I similar to you coming out of physio school and, and just in general, like I had no real understanding of any of that stuff and me being maybe similar to you in, in terms of just like curiosity of like, hey, like what is this? How do I learn? And, and just looking at people who maybe seem more wealthy or have wealth, I'm like, how are they doing this? Like they can't be that different than me. So I started exploring it. I, I have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is one of the books that really changed my mind around it as well and started like opening my eyes to it. Um, and I started to realize like, wow, this is so, this is so important for everyone to understand but then if you want to even go like more niche into like the physio space we we don't learn about that we don't talk about that which you know maybe that's not the responsibility of like the profession but I think like it's so important for us to get at least the basics and learn the basics if you're going to head out even if you're not going to be a business owner um, it's important to know these things absolutely that's, that's a great book and it's an easy read yeah yeah yeah. Okay. So you take advantage of like being off for a little bit with COVID and you dive into like creating, you know, your, your business. So what, what does that look like and, and how are you helping people with these, these skills? Yeah, Good question. And like you said earlier, some of the financial jargon you get, even the medical jargon is unnecessarily complicated and it shouldn't yeah. be. Right? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes they do it as a, a mode to uh, kind of create their exclusivity. So you talk to somebody who knows their stuff, right? But you can learn a lot of stuff on your own. So my goal is to kind of simplify it. Simple things. Mm-hmm. Pay yourself first. Try not to trade your time for money because that's finite, right? Do things that can earn you income irrespective of your primary role. So if your primary role is taken from you like a pandemic hits and you can't work, your obligations don't take a miss. You still have a mortgage, still have property tax, still have insurance, still mm-hmm. have car payments. How else are you going to meet that income? We trade our time for money as clinicians and we're taught to, and that's no heart, that's the way our profession is. We're also taught to um, put the, the needs of your clients ahead of your own. And sometimes to our detriment. Mm-hmm. When you're on an airplane, you don't put the mask on your son first. You put it on yourself so you can help your son. Mm-hmm. But we don't take the risk and we don't put the, the needs of ourselves first to help our, help our clients in turn. So I decided, hey, 2020, let's get into uh, building out a website. And if you know me, I'm technically incompetent, very so, <laughs> even with social media. So I, I did some reading and I said, okay, let me put together two main courses. A beginner course that teaches the basics, simple, glossy terms, Compound interest, TFSAs, RSP, how to pay off your student loan, how to buy a house, things that are pertinent that I thought people might understand, easy. Then I said, okay, let's build out a more intermediate term. Now you understand the basics of investing, what money is, how it works, how can you deploy it? And I try to teach only things that I've done. If I haven't done it myself, I will not teach about it because I'm not an authority or an expert in the air. I'm still not an expert, but I've done it, so I know the mistakes. Mm-hmm. So that's the two courses people can uh, sign up and watch online or do live. And then I do one-on-one calls and then uh, coaching sessions with clinics because clinic owners have staff and sometimes there's a disconnect between usually compensation and getting the mindset is half the battle is understanding who you are as a brand and how you can uh, better keep your house in order so you might not look for a particular uh, compensation package because you're financially set. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And even those like those basic things that you're just referring to that you have in the first course, like a TFSA or an RSP or comp- uh, compounding interest, like those things are, they, 
I didn't know what they were not that long ago. And like, you know, even to like talk about that or admit that it seems like it's like weird, but a lot of people, I would assume I'm not the only person that hasn't thought about that, doesn't think about it. Right. And it's, it is very overwhelming. Like even when I started to like educate myself on my own to learn a little bit more about it, it, you feel, you feel overwhelmed. You feel kind of silly or stupid for not even like at least this is how I felt mm-hmm. for not even like thinking about it. Right. Or knowing about it. Cause you just assume like I'm an adult, I should know this stuff, right. but why, why should you just know it if you've never learned or been taught, taught it, you know, to like, and then you start realizing how much it can help you, um, t- like take advantage of little things that are going to help you in the long term. that for me, it reduced a lot of my anxiety around like yeah, what, you. what was going on. Like, and at this point, you know, I'm, I'm not making a ton of money, but I'm making enough money where it's like, okay, what can I do with my money to help it work for me? Right. Versus like feeling this like scarcity of, of what I have. And once you start, start setting those things up and understanding them and getting that money moving into certain places to help you, you're like, Oh, this, this feels good. And it doesn't have to be a lot of money. Like for me, it's not a ton right now, but it's enough to like get things going. And it at least, again like calms my fear and anxiety around like well what do i do with this this money now that i have it Mm -hmm. you know smart exactly and that's what you want to do you don't necessarily have to have the same goals as i do but you have to be i think you should be in a position where you can make it an easier life for yourself your dependents and then your partner and oftentimes i think the challenge is in our profession if we want to make more money we will work harder or longer yeah and we always put the emphasis on getting the top line increased how much you make we don't really think about how much we keep. So mm-hmm. you don't have to work as hard if you can keep, create a system or uh, a good strategy with your accountant and professionals to keep more of your money. Yeah. So I don't have to work that hard. I just keep more and use that more to do other things with it. Yeah. I, I want to dive into one thing we were talking a little bit before we started recording. Um, but before we do that, I want to just ask you like what, and maybe you can speak from your experience. I'm not sure if you've worked with a lot of like new grads or students coming out of school, but what are like some things that when you look back at like coming out of school, you wish you would have maybe started doing from like a financial perspective that you think would have like benefited you more now in terms of where you are? Great question. Yeah. And this is what I get uh, often with my new grads when I speak to. If I were to go back in time and there's a section I talk about this is the first thing I would probably do is create some sort of budget to know where my finances are right now. And oftentimes the pushback is, Robin, I live with my parents. I rent a home. I want to be purchasing a home. So the budget I have right now is an actual. I said, okay, that's fair. But you still should know where you currently are and what you want to get to and then itemize it. Because you can roughly say, okay, what a mortgage would cost you, what your rent might be. But if you do not know where your money is going, how you know where it's treated, right? So if you, A, and that exercise, as challenging it is, will hopefully illuminate a couple things as to how you're spending your money, frivolously or kind of methodically. So first thing is, hey, have some sort of budget, and you got to tell me, Robin, at the end of the month, I'm making $1,000, and this is where it's going. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So now you know what you have. Next is, how do I allocate it? Right? That's a little more complex question. So having a budget first and foremost, and then having somebody or some people around you who are more um, experts in the area is like a power team, a good competent accountant, a good aligned financial advisor if you want one, or you can do it yourself. Um, even if you're doing real estate, a good lawyer, things in the area or mentor or coach someone to teach you things and, and value their time for it. So second thing is a power team. And third thing is understanding the basics. And oftentimes we will fully, full-heartedly and uh, trustingly give our financial assets to people who may not have the same alignment because we don't want to learn the basics. Say so you handle it, it's your job, you do it. 
and if there's a lack of alignment or lack of kind of uh, cohesiveness there, you are mismanaging your time and money for potentially years. So A, have a budget, B, develop your power team or people who can support you and see, understand the basics. Based on that, you can make better decisions. Yeah, no, I love that. That's like, that's very, that's very good. Like, I don't even want to say advice. It's good thoughts. It's good. It's good things to, to consider. And I think, you know, again, for me personally, you know, the budgeting thing was something I never did. And then like, like you said, it, it does open your eyes to certain things, like it, both positive and negative. Like yeah. what I found is like, Oh, I actually have a little bit more money than I thought, which is cool. Like yeah. makes you not freak out. Like you're going to be, I'm like, have a massive fear of just like being poor on the street. So like, I, I, <laughs> so like I'm, I'm getting over that fear of that happening now. But the other thing I realized uh, for me personally was like how much money I was spending on bank fees, which I didn't realize. And then I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm spending this much money on bank fees. I'm like, this can't be, there's no way that this can be the case. And so I ended up calling my bank and like talking with them and having my, some of my fees like reduced. And then I opened another account somewhere else where like I wasn't getting charged any like, um, any fees for like certain transactions. And so like I reduced that now, like very minimal. And so like even just something like that, gives me more money back and I didn't have to make any any more money than I was making right kept more yeah and it's like things like that that you don't realize or think about when you're not aware of like what's happening Mm -hmm. with your money so I think that's like you know a great point and then like getting a team makes total sense um you know I, I did that similarly with with someone who I had trusted and they um, we sat down and they, and I talked about like some of my goals for the future and like what I wanted to accomplish. And they were able to like, give me some thoughts and feedback on that. And then obviously we have an accountant with like the business and they help us with that kind of stuff. So like, again, you don't have to go in it alone. And I think recruiting the right people is important and like knowing that those people are going to align with you and how you want to move in your life. Like similar how you would, find a physio who aligns with like what you believe Mm -hmm. in and how Mm -hmm. you want to get to where you want to go. I think we have to take that same approach with someone and that we're trying to bring on our team from a financial perspective. Right. Um, and then what was the last thing you said? Oh, Um, no, the basics. basics. Yeah. Yeah. The empowerment thing is huge. Like we try to empower our clients with the basics of like how to understand certain, you know, tendons, nerves, like how to understand pain, how to like progress these things on their own so that, you know, if they get caught in a situation, they're able to do it on their own. Similarly, we should be doing the same thing, right? And I think a lot of time I was on the side of like, "Ah, I'm not going to worry about it. I don't need to think about it. You know, I'm going to get someone else to do it for me, right? And then that I think creates more anxiety for you when someone else is doing something that maybe you don't know exactly what they're doing and you're just like, well, I'm hoping they're doing the right thing for me. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think an honorable mention there, I think uh, I suffered this earlier on is uh, failing. Yeah. I was so fearful of making mistakes to the point where I didn't want to take decision or make action. And a quote that it's it's hanging on my front door, uh, my front lobby or in my house is fear will kill more dreams than failure ever will. Mm. And we are so scared of making mistakes, or at least I was. And if I were to go back in time, I can honestly tell you, if I made decisions differently 10 years ago, I would not be, I'd be in a much different position now mm-hmm. to the point where I might not be able, might not need to work. Yeah. And it's just take a bet on yourself is what I tell my, my earlier self. Yeah. And I mean, you even, you gave the example of like messing up on your first real estate, like, um, yeah. you know, choice and like yeah. thinking about how much you learn from that. Huge. Right. And so like you can take that and apply that, um, that now is probably paying back in dividends, right? With yeah. Like what you learn from. So I think that's a good example mm-hmm. of like what you're talking about. Um, the one thing I wanted to bring up was like, you know, one, one thing that I hear a lot now is like, 
we don't, physios don't make enough money to pay off their debt and like school is so expensive and you come out of school and you're in like a really tough position and like people are always thinking about like, how can I make more? Or should we be paying people more and all that kind of stuff? And I'm, I'm wondering just from your perspective, like how you go about helping people think about that when they're coming out of school with regards to like paying their debt or even like in, in diversifying their ability to either keep more money or have money make money for them to help them with that circumstance um, instead of just like trading more time for money or trying to move up more and more to get uh, like a higher income to help them pay off all that stuff. Is there, is there ways that you think about that? I do. And this is a good point. And this is where we're focusing mainly on the top line, try to increase that when we're not looking introspectively and seeing what we're actually using our money for on like a budget. And often when I get clients, they, they say, Robin, I want 10% more. And I look, hey, Sue, can you show me where your budget is? How much is your credit card bill? Oh, it's $1,000. Do you pay it off each month? No. How much interest are you paying there? 20%. Yeah. What? Yeah. You have a 20% credit card account, I mean, um, interest rate, and you have $1,000 you're overhanging? Do you know what going to cost you? Well, I don't know. I didn't have another math. That's going to cost you more 10, 10% if you don't pay it off. Right? So um, this is not advice, but if in a position before you want to optimize your investments, take a look at your financial house. And if you're saying, I want to put my money in the S&P 500, but I have a 20% credit card uh, interest rate, do you know how to get a secured rate of return of 20%? Is you pay off your debt. Right. You can't, you might not get it in the, you can't secure it in the S&P. You can't be guaranteed there, but you can secure it when you're paying off your Amex. So that's one way to get ahead. And starting without bleeding or having that hole in your boat when you're trying to float, and it's a credit card or whatever the debt is, but not all debt is created the same. And this is where I think um, how we were raised does affect that. And certain cultures will affect that. Certain rates, whereas a mortgage might be 3 to 6%, and a credit card 20%, and how it's compounded does change. So it makes more sense to me, at least, to pay off something that's higher in credit or higher in interest rate than the lower ones. Because then I know for me personally that I can earn a rate of return better than the 3% that the mortgage is. Mm-hmm. So understanding debt is a big one. Yep. So that's how you can get ahead. And then right now, it's 2023. You and I can turn on our computers or phones and build a side hustle pretty quickly and things we're passionate about. Or we can learn about, hey, can I buy the bank that's charging you your fees? Can I own that bank and let that bank give me a dividend? So then I own an asset that's paying me in cash flow. I'm already a part of it. Mm -hmm. So understanding asset classes Mm -hmm. and what you can use that same money for to have an income stream that's not tied to your business. Mm -hmm. And for me, I do stock options, so I can do that in between clients. That's an easy thing. I've learned about it. So you might have a no-show, have an hour no-show. Guess what? You can trade a couple options there and make the revenue that you've missed on that hour not tied to a location. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, understanding different asset classes is big. Understanding your financial house is big. And then I'm a big proponent of kind of keeping more than making more because then you're expending that valuable time to get it, especially in our profession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting because like we were talking a little bit before the podcast about, you know, the normal kind of trajectory of people that enter into physio is like, okay, I'm going to go into physio. I'm going to get my, my master's. I'm going to come out of school. I'm going to work a little bit and then I'm going to own my own, my own clinic. And I think a lot of people's um, idea around owning their own clinic is that it, it allows them the opportunity to make more money. Right, which it which it does. The ceiling is now not limited by just being a clinician. You can leverage that. That becomes an asset that you're that you're building, right? And I think that that makes a lot of sense. However, there's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of difficulties, headaches, a lot more that goes into running a business than just 
oh, I'm going to open a business. People are going to start coming and I'm going to start making more money, right? Um, I, I can speak from experience now being a business owner for for going on two, two, and, a, two and a half years that that's not, not the case. And if that's solely your focus, it's going to be really, really hard for you. Um, and one thing you had mentioned, which I actually never really thought about this, and I think it's a really smart thing to to consider is like, what could you be doing? Um, like you're saying, what could you be investing money or pursuing outside of the realm of physio that can help make more money for you instead of investing in like trying to open your own business, which one might not even be what you want to do. You're just doing it because you see the potential for it to make more money for you. Mm -hmm. Like what else could you be doing with that time and that money that you can invest in that would make you more money while you're practicing as a clinician? And that's like a very, it's a good way to start thinking about things, I think. Exactly. And that's my whole adage is I only have so much time on this earth, but I have different avenues to where my dollar might be treated differently. And I know that, hey, clinic ownership is no, nothing to sneeze at. It, it is very fruitful, but it involves a lot of your precious time and the hassle factor. But you can devote that same time by putting it into another asset class that irrespective of what you are doing, it is earning for you. Mm-hmm. And you can have multiple little of these little pots around that are doing it. So you can pursue your passion. So your income, your net worth isn't tied strictly to the success of your business, which creates a lot of stress because you have these other streams of income that are satisfying your obligations. Yeah. And that that's freedom. Yeah. And as a clinician too, even if you're just working in like a clinic, like you're not owning your own business, it's like, you might not be forced to have to work 50, 60 hours a week and like burn yourself out or see people that maybe don't fulfill you because you know that now you are investing your time into some other things that are going to give you return that gives you more freedom to explore. And who knows, maybe you end up finding something that you're passionate about. You start your own business and then you're diving into that. Or, or maybe you don't do that and you just have like your clinical hours that you're working at a place where you're fired up. It's not draining you. Then you're, you have your other investments that you're working on. Maybe you're, you're buying real estate. Maybe you're learning about stocks. Maybe you're what doing whatever right on the side that's giving you income and it's not pushing you to burn out and get out of the profession because you're overworked and you're not making, you're just, you're just burnt out. Absolutely. Think about yourself in five years. Imagine if you have to work two weeks, uh, two days a week, would you be happier than currently working five days a week? And most people say, yeah, I get jazzed up to work two days a week. Why? Because you have the other assets paying for the other three days a week. Mm-hmm. So you can do the things you want to do. You come in on those two days and Thursdays, you're working all jazzed up, happy to do what you want. But if you're dragged there and you're working eight to five every day, you're doing your notes, your energy level, whether you see it or your clients will see it, will start to wane. Mm-hmm. And you, we love what we do. That's where we're doing it. Can we love it for longer because we have a kind of a safety net behind us? Yeah. What do you say? What do you say to people like, wow, but I just don't, I just don't have the time. Like I'm working a lot. I got a lot of clients. It's like, I'm trying to just figure out how to like do an initial assessment. Like I'm not thinking about my RSP or I'm not thinking about like, what is, I'm sure you get that. You have to get that. So like how, how do you navigate that? And what would be maybe your, question or maybe reflection piece for people to like think about when it comes to like that being their mindset around it great question and i'm somewhat firm with this but when i make decisions now i always think about my future self if i say okay if i'm going to do something now and i think of myself in five years and if i regret the decision not taking the decision now if i'm going to regret it i'm going to make the decision do it because i think nothing more is uh challenging is having that regret and that mismanaged time so we all have the same time. We don't, you don't get extra time on me. I don't get extra time on you. It's how I use it and what my priorities are. I can probably guarantee you if you're in your mid-20s to early 30s, you probably waste an hour a day. I'm going to use the word waste on things that are not productive. Oh, yeah. At least. Now, if you compound that, you don't have to do it every day, 
but one hour a week more or two hours a week more holy moly now we're talking years right so we have this it's, you don't have the lack of time you have a lack of priorities mm -hmm. that's the first thing second thing is you're not thinking about your future self and I can tell you from working with clients in their 60s and 50s, they wish they could go back in their 20s and make decisions better. So think about your future self because you cannot get that time back. And when you think about that and your priorities, I think you, you, get, a, you get a little fire underneath you and you'll make dis different decisions. Yeah, and I think what I realized was, one, you know, we all do. Ha I, I'm a firm believer that we all do have the time. We just have to prioritize it. Like, And the reason I say that is I know people, like I know what my schedule looks like and then I know other people who are way busier than me who are doing things that I'm like, how do they do that? So they're prioritizing their time and they're able to execute on those things. So I agree with you. I think it's all about prioritizing and how important it is. And I think when it comes to like this information, it's that, that, um, barrier to entry seems so big and so scary for people to like dive into understanding these things that they, they shy away from it because it's scary. It's overwhelming. And what I, what I think like people like you are doing is, is bringing that, that barrier down and allowing people to step into the space. And I find once you start to realize and learn just a little bit about it, you start to, it opens your eyes like, Oh, this isn't as big, scary barrier as I think it is. And this actually is going to help me like tenfold down the road. And that almost then encourages people to like take that extra hour at the end of the day to like look at and learn some of the things that you're teaching versus like, scroll on Instagram and knock anything out of it. But because that barrier is so like big in people's mind, I think it p holds people back from exploring it a lot. Huge. Huge. You know? And to that is, is your network, who you surround yourself with. Yeah. Uh, if you're surrounding yourself with people who maybe grew up in high school and went to university, may not have the same ambition as you, you're going to be the, the average of your f five closest friends around you. And as a business owner, you might be surrounding yourself now with different people as business owners. I think your mindset has changed quite a bit than it was five years ago because mm -hmm. the people you keep close to you and value that relationship. So surround yourself with people who have the same ambitions as you. I think you'll, you'll kind of leverage each other's kind of mindset to grow further. Yeah. So I'm very selective about who I spend my time with yeah. as a result. Yeah, for sure. Um, just to transition towards towards wrapping up here, one question that I, uh, I want to ask is like you mentioned, you know, wanting to be able to be in a position by the time you're 40 to not have to work. Like you're choosing to work. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like that because I've thrown that out to, to mostly myself, but a few close people in my, in my life saying something like, like that, which is kind of crazy to say, it is, right? Yeah, it like is. as someone who's sitting here as like, I'm 29, right? So I got some time, mm -hmm. but, but like when you look at what is like traditionally laid out, that seems that seems crazy, right? And I think even for me, as I say it, it's like one of those things that I'm kind of putting out there, speaking it into existence and then starting to take action towards like mm -hmm. making that happen. And if it happens, great. And if it doesn't happen, maybe it'll happen at 42, maybe it'll happen at 50, but at least I'm like pursuing towards that. But I'm curious as to why you set that out. And then how has that journey been for you as you uh, like get closer to hitting that age? Yeah, I think I set it out because it's bold and it would force me to take massive action earlier on. If I put something out at 50, which is still atypical for our society, it's further away and it kind of maybe breeds more complacency and more comfortableness. So, hey, I might not hit 40, but I might hit 41, like you said. Mm -hmm. But if it's not there, I'm not going to work as hard because sometimes you'll let yourself kind of go a little bit. Um, so sometimes it, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and then what I've done in the last three to four years, I've gone through some personal issues. Um, that's kind of life happens and it challenges you. So you learn a bit about yourself very much there. 
but then you learn how much you can do if you can apply yourself in different asset classes. So my goal right now is to have about six to eight, close to eight streams of revenue. They don't pay for all my bills, no, but they're infant and they're mid-stage. So when I do hit that 40 years old, I can have those to pay off my obligations. Then I can pursue things I really love to do. And right now I love talking about financial literacy. And the big thing that my advisor would tell me is, Robin, I have dealt with people who are age are retired 40 and they're bored out of their minds. I'm like, yeah, but do they have a hobby? Do they have something they passion? Mm-hmm. Probably not. So if I can develop, and this is the key here, Dalton, is uh, what I try to do is I work two roles that I actually trade my time for money. The other six revenue streams, I don't. So then I built them out. So now I can be in anywhere I want, location independent, which is huge for me because I'm a big golfer. So I want to go somewhere south in the winter. Yeah. So having location independence is massive. And then time independence where I can sleep and earn money. Imagine that power. Mm. So it's coming along. Am I going to hit it? I hope so. I'm pretty close. I'm not close, but I'm, I have a path for it. But you can check back in five years and see. Yeah. No, I love it. I think it's like, <laughs> I think it's good to put those things out there and it challenges you to have to learn and explore those. And I think that's important because it opens up your mind to things that you never thought were possible. And even if it doesn't hit at that time, like I'm sure there's tons of things just by taking that mindset you've already opened yourself up to that has changed your perspective and maybe even changed your life, which mm-hmm. I think is like super um, valuable. And then like just on top of that, like obviously you're talking about having like eight different streams of like revenue that are driving things for you. Like one thing that I've learned along the way is like, just start with one thing and then start to build off of that. Right. Like I think, you know, sitting here and listening to someone like yourself, who's like committed to doing this for a long time and you're further down the road now and you've put the time and you've put the work and you put the effort into getting to that point. I'm sure there was a point in time where you started and there was like one or two things that were Mm -hmm. there for Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, for people to just start to think about, okay, how do I trade my time? What am I trading my time for money for? And then what is one other thing that I can start to, you know, think about that might allow me to diversify and then that build off of Absolutely. those things I think is super important small changes yeah. Do consistently yeah. it's like rehab yeah I know there's a lot there's so many similarities <laughs> better more often yeah half the problems are solved <laughs> yeah no doubt no doubt um, the last question I want to ask before we wrap up here is like what are like one to three like tangible things that, that our listeners can start like right now doing and I know you've kind of hit on a key a couple key things but if there's maybe one thing that you could leave them with that you think would be super impactful for them to start doing now um, I think that would be awesome Great. So there's the budget with financial budget as well as budgeting your time. Keep track of how much time you spend on certain things. And we're in 2023. You can use your phone and have 14 different free apps that can show this and do this for you. Second thing is with that same tech is you have podcasts, you have newsletters, you have eBooks, you have tons of information out there to when you're walking your dog, going for a run, driving to work, put this on the background and just listen to certain terms and phrases. So it becomes secondary knowledge to you. So those are the big things. And then last thing I always tell my clients is um, think about your future self. When you hold your future self accountable, you'll be very conscious about the decision you make now because it's going to affect you in the future. And you do not want to regret certain things or do not omit um, omitting certain things now when it could benefit you and your dependents later on. I love it. Why don't uh, why don't you leave where people can find you, like your Instagram, your website? Because I know you mentioned like having people consume some some content, and and you put out content frequently, and it, and I've looked through it, and I think it's great. So I I would love for you to plug that so okay. people can thank find you. it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so you can find me at um, financiallyfulfilledphysio.com. My Instagram handle is very much the same, financiallyfulfilledphysio.com. And you can get me if you want to email me. I'm more than happy to speak to you about this at info at financiallyfulfilledphysio.
Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I learned, I learned a ton. I think this stuff is awesome and I think we need to be talking about it more, um, in the space. So guys, make sure you follow all this content, reach out. If you have any questions, um, you want to start learning about some of this stuff and just being aware of it. So appreciate it guys. As always stay caffeinated. Peace. <laughs>